we step into what God has for us this morning, I, I pray that you will hear him speak through the scripture, even if my voice sounds like this, you can still hear God. I just love the scripture, I do, I um. It was God that did that. I never used to. I used to think it a chore. You know, one of those, oh, I've got to kind of things that a Christian does. And at the last church I was at in Hamilton, uh, Pastor Nick Klinkenberg, he used to talk about it all the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. But then one day I started to listen to him. <laughs> There's a word for some of you. And uh, I realized that he was right. That it is the scripture that just brings so much life into our world. Um, and and uh, since then I've become passionate about my study of it and sharing it. And uh, you're going to get a whole dose of that this morning. Um, yeah, it is woohoo. You should be excited. And I was sitting in a cafe on Friday enjoying their coffee and, and in amongst the the 80s rock playlist that they had going on in the cafe, which I really enjoyed, by the way. Um, the Holy Spirit just came and just opened and enlightened the scriptures for you this morning, so I'm excited. Um, on the back of last week's message, last week I, I spoke a message, and there's going to be uh, hopefully uh, a picture on the screen. There it is. Last week I spoke a message called The Chaos of Tension, and I used a whiteboard to draw a picture. Uh, you can catch the message on our app. It's the easiest way to do it. Um, but essentially, I talked about the journey between the prophetic promise and the promised land, walking in what God has declared over us. And, and when we're in the middle, it feels like chaos. It's a tension. You know, we're in this age of the kingdom with the now, but not yet. Everything in the scriptures is true. The Bible says that Jesus has made available all of the inheritance of the Father for us as his children. Now. And yet there's a tension because we don't get to see it all. It's frustrating. We've got a little to live in that tension. And it's, it's the same with the promises of God. We, we, we believe in the promises of God, and yet we don't see them fulfilled every day. Because we're in this tension. And uh, I quoted a, a phrase, you know, where, where, where um, someone said once, you know, we're moving from glory to glory, but it just feels like hell in the hallway. And, and, and so that's what the tension is in this middle. It's frustrating. It's, there's mud slinging and all sorts of other carry on. And, and, and we get hit in the face with a... Uh, with a rock, or we get slammed in the knee with, with uh, something else, and we feel like we're in amongst it all. And it's true, we are. But God is in that. And it's what I want to speak about today. I want to follow that up with a message where uh, I, want you to, I want you to come away with a conviction that God is with us. God is leading us. And we are going to dig into the scripture this morning, and I am going to jog through the scripture this morning. So I pray that you have the strength to keep up. If we think about, you know, running, we're going to probably run about five and a half minute Ks today. So I'm not sure if you're up to that level, but um, come on, keep going. It's a bit slow for you, Nikita, but, but Nikita can, you know, you can encourage us. Uh, 
and uh, I am going to put all my slides online because there's a lot of content today and I'm a little bit apprehensive about it, but I just feel like we've just got to go after it. Are you ready to go after it? Yeah. Are you ready to receive what God's got for you this morning? Okay, so uh, grab your Bible. We're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy is a wonderful book. It's like, a, it's like Moses' farewell sermon. They've traveled for a long time through the wilderness, and they get to this place, and God says, well, Moses, I'm really sorry you're not going into the promise, but you can see it. And he takes them in this vision, and he sees the promise, and it's wonderful, and then God says, now you die. Just before you die, though, I've got, I want you to encourage the people. So Deuteronomy is a book, is a collection of Moses declaring again to the people the law of God. Deuteronomy, deut meaning to, onomy meaning of the law. It's the second reading of the law. Don't think law as must do. Think of partnership contract, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So Deuteronomy is this, addressed by Moses. It's a beautiful book, 30-some um, chapters in it. It's a little bit of detail, a little bit of story, and a lot of God speaking to us. And I, and I find a lot of encouragement in it. So we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to dig into verse 1. And I am going to totally depend on my technology today. Do you ever whack things to make them work? Like, obviously not children, but um, <laughs> like technology? Or wives. Um, that's true. Anyway, so if you've got your Bible, uh, this is Deuteronomy 1. It's on the screen for you, trying to make it simple. Uh, be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you, uh, the Lord says. Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. So how do you read this? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to read it slowly but quickly. Be careful, God says. What does that mean? It means to make special effort. Don't rush past what I'm about to say to you. Be diligent. Be vigilant. Make sure you pay attention to what I'm about to say, says God. Sometimes we read the scriptures. We go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I kind of think I know what he means, or I've read that before. No, sometimes we've got to slow down. We've got to be really careful to do what God is saying to us. Then he says, well, you should be careful to obey. Uh-oh. Obey means complicit behavior without room for variance or error. Does that mean you can make a mistake? Of course it does. But what I mean by no error is it's black or white. There's no gray. It's here or neither. And we've got to, we've got to be vigilant in coming into what God has declared to us, as I'm going to keep saying, is our partnership with him to experience the life he's prepared for us. God is leading us into that. So we must have complicit behavior, and we must understand there's no gray. We must obey the commands that God has given us. In Deuteronomy, Moses repeats and clarifies every little detail of what God has said and how we are to live together. Not one should be missed. Last week, I, I shared with you um, in respect to Exodus chapter 20 and what you might remember as the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are part of the law, and they are God expressing His partnership agreement for us to experience all that He has for us. I also shared with you that a Jewish teacher taught us last year that you shouldn't look at it like a list of things you must do. He said, look at it from the other side of the cross on the other side of what Jesus has done for you. When you look backwards at the commands and the law and the partnership that God's called us into, 
you'll want to live like that because of your love for Jesus, because of your love for the Father, because of what he's calling you into. It's not like, oh, shucks, there's something I failed again. It's not like you're going to want to do it because you want to express love to God who's expressed so much love to you. So think of this this way. The commands are an invitation by God to live in all that he's got for us. And God is the source. The source of all life is God, and we must acknowledge that. Sometimes I think we're the center of our universe, and we try and fit God into that. We say, well, God, if you would only do it this way, then I'd be happy. You know, and when you call him Lord, it means you're not. And when you say no, you're not really calling him Lord, you're calling him master. I'm servant instead of master. But you've got to understand God invites you into this for your benefit. He's giving you something and we're about to look into it. What is it that is for our benefit? So Deuteronomy 8 verse 1. This is going to frustrate me today. I'm apologizing for my technology. Look, three whacks and it doesn't work. Here we go. Be careful to obey all the commands, then you will live and multiply, and you will enter the land and occupy the land. Let's flick that again and look at the next one. We're going to have teamwork today. So one more click. Here we go. Then. What does then mean? As a consequence, you will have something happen to you. As a consequence of your beliefs, your choices, and your actions, you will experience life. I said to you last week that how we journey through the wilderness will determine how we live in the promise. The beliefs you have, the choices you make because of those beliefs, and the actions that flow out of that all bear fruit in your life and how you live in the promise. Make no mistake, God loves you regardless of what you do. His love never changes. He is always with you. But he says you will reap a harvest on what you sow in choice. False belief, misbelief, all mislead us into a false representation of God. And that's one of the the great benefits that I found out of the Sozo training was it helped me to have the tools to correct that. God, is there something I'm believing about you that's not true? Oh, really? Oh, what is true? And then I walk in that. All right, so then there will be consequences. But look at the consequences. You will live and multiply. The good news is following God's promises cause us to grow. These were people that had been traveling for 40 years in the wilderness, and and many of them had died, and they're sitting there going, well, what about it, God? And he says, follow me, and you will live a good life. You will grow. You will multiply. You will expand. You'll extend. You'll, you'll, You'll enter and occupy the next promise. So as we enter and occupy, we need to understand that there's great things that God has for us. We're being conditioned. We're being prepared. We're being equipped and shaped so that we can experience the good space he's prepared for us. I often say to people when I'm uh, either supporting them, mentoring them, coaching them, or disciplining them, God's preparing you to carry the promise he's given you. If he gave you the promise now, you'd stuff it up, or you'd drop it, or it would kill you. So trust God that he's preparing you for the great things in the future. We are being prepared as a people, as a church, for good things that God has got for us. Look at this next one, the land. So specifically, they were talking about a territory that, that, that Abraham had first seen. But I want to say this, the promise is specific, the same as a geographical area or location is specific. As a church, we're preparing ourselves. We're asking God to equip us and condition us for a specific season. 
And that season has been made very, very clear as we search his heart and pray about it. The vision of this church is absolutely crystal clear. That's what we're waiting for. And when God says move, we'll move into that. So the land is specific and so is the promise. What does it mean for you? You should be um, searching for clarity on the promises of God for this season in your life. And if you don't know what they are, it's not because he hasn't prepared them. It's just that you haven't heard them. Think about it that way. Well, God, what promises do you have for me in this season? What is it that you're preparing me for? What is it that I could cast my eye forward and hope toward? And then trust God. Promises are specific. God is never, ever vague. So then we see it's the Lord who swore. Uh, and by swear, we don't mean cussing. Uh, the Lord takes an oath. Can you guys help me at the back? Oh, there we go. The Lord swore, which means he took an oath. He says, I will use my name to put strength into this promise. And his name there is Jehovah Aman. The Lord is faithful. He said, you can count on me because my word will not be broken, God says. And so when we're partnering with God, it's not about what the leader says. It's not about what the ministry team says. It's not about how we feel. It's what did God say? I was working with someone on Friday and, and just chatting with them and, and said, okay, what was the last thing God said to you? Let's go back to that. Because that's where we anchor our clarity in. What did God say? All right, so he's very specific and he backs up his promises with his name, which is faithful. And then this last bit here, he swore to give. I'm really struggling. Great of a click. Here we go. He swore to give. So this is not wait for you to earn. There's a contrast. Often we think, oh, well, only if I'm good enough, God will bless me. Now, God's, God's promises are not dependent on your effort. Which part of your salvation did you earn? None. Which part of heaven did you earn? None. So it's not, he's not saying, oh, I'm waiting for you to, to earn it. He says, I've prepared it for you, and I'm going to give it to you. Yes, we've got to position ourselves. Yes, we've got to be before him. Yes, we've got to be prepared by him and willing to submit to him. But it's not a credit because of our righteousness. It's a credit because of his goodness. So he's giving it to us. And finally, I just want to clarify this, is that we come into the promises of God because we're connected to Abraham through Jesus Christ. So Galatians 3, you can see the reference on the screen. Because of our faith in Jesus and what he has done, we are anchored in the heritage that God gave to Abraham and Sarah, which is that we will walk in a land of plenty. We will be children of promise. The, that the world will see us and know that God is good. This is the promise that we live in. So all of that to say, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 1, there's a principle that we can learn. So I don't know if you saw the video I posted up on the public Facebook page on Friday. My, I think I just called it Friday Morning Musings. But it was about how do we understand what biblical-based teaching is? How does someone like me dig into the scripture to help someone that's listening? And one of the things is that in God's scripture, when you dig below the surface, there are what's called universal principles. They apply to the people then, and they apply to the people now. 
And what a preacher has to do is cross that bridge of time to get you from the story into today's context so you go, oh, maybe God's the same. Maybe he's saying the same thing to me today. And these are the universal principles that we look for in Scripture. So what is the first principle in the first verse? The Lord wants us to respond favorably to his invitation, to live in partnership with him, so that we can experience all his goodness that he has reserved for his family. This is how we've got to see God. Not as a God who's tricking us, not as a God who's causing delay because he, he thinks we're stink or we don't deserve his love, not as a God who's willing and waiting to punish, punish us. God is, is desiring that you would learn to live in a place of response to his invitation, that you say that God, the answer is yes, even though I don't know what the question is. They say, yes, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to do what's necessary. Yes, God, the answer is yes. Not how, not if, or not when, but yes. So this is the first principle that we catch from the first verse. I wonder how many verses we're going to get through today. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8 and verse 2. Can we click that? Thanks. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 says this, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you, testing you to prove your character, to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Hmm, that sounds like a happy verse. Let's dig into it. So let's see what happens next. Press the button, thanks. Click. So let's look at the word remember. What does that mean? Well, this is interesting. This is not just call back to your memory, but pause and reflect. When God says remember, he's saying, come on, there's something I want you to see. I want you to acknowledge it. But more importantly, I want you to catch the phrase that's on the screen. Anchor your perspective from this place of remembrance. Don't anchor your perspective in life from your own feelings, as Lisa was saying. Don't anchor your perspective on what you think God is about. Anchor your perspective on him and his truth, and that will give you the correct perspective and lens through which to walk life. So when God says, remember, remember that he is with you. Remember the, the principle. Remember the invitation. He earnestly desires you to walk in partnership because he, he wants you to experience the goodness that he's, he's, he's prepared for you. Remember those things, anchor your perspective in that knowledge, and then walk in that way. Okay, let's click again and see what happens. Uh, remember how the Lord your God led you. So God is leading us on purpose. He's very deliberate about what he's doing. You know, the Israelites, if you go back to the original story, they had wandered through the desert for 40 years led by God. This is a, this is a, a journey, uh, historians say, that if you took a direct route, it would take you about 12 days. And it took them 40 years, and they were led by God. Round in circles, camping around a mountain, up a mountain, down a mountain, round a mountain, through the wilderness, back into the water, back out again. God was deliberate. So you've got to understand that God is leading you and he's bringing his goodness out of your journey. When you make a mistake and God says, okay, we're going around the mountain again, he just uses that trip for his goodness to come into your life. He turns all things into good as he works with you. He has an attended outcome and he is never absent. So I want just that last one there, I want some of you need to lock that in. You need to write it down, put it on your phone or something, because you're feeling like God's not hearing your prayers, or you're, you're feeling like he's not doing what, what you want him to. I just need to express to you that God is not absent. It's his truth you need to lock in. Okay, God, I, 
I don't feel it, I can't see it, and I'm not sure like oh, what's going on, but I'm just going to confess the name of Jesus because the darkness trembles at that, and I'm going to say, God, you're not absent in my life. Some of you, that'll get you through. So God's leading you deliberately. What's the next one? He's leading us through what? The wilderness. Okay, God is leading us through the wilderness. What is the wilderness? Oh dear. Look at this. It's the absence of comfort, the absence of security, the absence of provision, the absence of employment, and we're surrounded by risk. And we're saying, what, God, you led us through that. He says, yes, I did. I chose your environment. I chose the place that I was going to take you through on purpose because I'm deliberate about what I'm preparing in you. Sometimes we need to be in a place without confidence so that we don't put the confidence in what we have, but we put it in him. Sometimes we need to be taken out of employment so we don't put our confidence in our abilities, but him. Sometimes we need to be taken to an unsafe place so we don't take confidence in our security, but in, oh, I think you're getting it. Sometimes we get taken out of a place of provision so that we can put our confidence in him. The wilderness is not a bad place, but we've got to learn something. We've got to learn to ask God a question, and I'd, I'd encourage you to write this one down. God, what are you teaching me in this moment? What do you want me to learn, God, while I'm here? Because sometimes you won't get out of the desert till you learn it. And, and, and it might be that you're just asking the wrong questions. Or praying the wrong prayers. We, Kathy and I listened to a message yesterday and the, the guy that was teaching said, hey, look, if your prayers aren't working, pray something different. Because God isn't, God isn't absent and God knows what the answer is, but sometimes we've got to align ourselves with him. And that takes time. So choose how we operate in our environment. Let's click the button again. Thanks, Jane. God led us through the wilderness for 40 years. What does that mean to us? Well, the Lord knows what's necessary for the completion of your preparation. You know, time and time and time again when I'm mentoring new leaders, I have to try and convey to them the important principle that God taught me. And that is first you must learn to serve in the shadows before you ever stand in the spotlight. You need to understand that God has a time of preparation and he knows when you're ready before you do. I remember years ago, I was just working through this this last few days and God reminded me of a story when I worked in Wellington, I was a young, arrogant uh, go-getter, and I thought I was going to be the new manager of my department, and um, I guess you could probably tell by the story that I didn't get the job. And I was livid, I was, I was as angry, I was quite vocal about my opinions, um, and, and, and the, the, the woman that came in to be my boss um, was, was obviously far better than I was, but she helped me see that, that I wasn't ready. She didn't judge me or condemn me. She became a, a, like a good confidant, a good friend, uh, an advisor. And she said, look, you know, this is the path for you, but you're not ready for it. And, and let me help you be ready. You know, often we think we're ready long before we are. And that's not a thing about age. It's thing about uh, allowing God to do his work. So don't take shortcuts. Let's look at the next one. This is the first, I suppose, what I'm calling outcome out of what God's doing. He said, I'm going to do three things. The first one is I'm going to humble you. Notice it doesn't say, I'm going to invite you into humility. He doesn't say, I'm just going to wait until you realize you should be humble. He says, no, you will be humble. 
I want you to also notice it's on the screen there. There are two things that happen in the desert. One, you either become humble or you die. Remember God said, I will lead you through this and the generation that was will not enter the promise. They will die in the desert. Everyone else? Humble. So God's reflecting on this and he's sharing to the people. He says, I did this to make you humble because humility is not an option. I'll just let that sit there for all day. Okay, what's next? The second outcome that God focuses on is he says he's testing us to prove our character. This is God bringing us into a space where he wants us to learn how to live with him. But let me say this, it's on the screen. Tests don't make you, they reveal you. What's in you comes out of you when you're under pressure. But it's not God saying, ha ha, see, I knew you sucked. He's like, oh, look, now we can see that. Let's deal with it. And he brings you into his heart and disciplines you, which means to shape you and prepare you for what's next. But unless the ugly comes out, you ain't going through the next stage. So when the Lord tests us, you know, as a leader, I get to, this is the joy of my life. Everyone's ugly, leans up on me. What do I do? Punish them, beat them, and whip them until the morale improves? Who said yes? <laughs> so what I'm learning is that's not working. So what I'm trying to change is that I'm helping them to see that God is bringing that out because he doesn't want it to stay. Tests reveal us for God's purpose to be formed in us. I heard this quote also this week. I think it was something that Nikita shared in a podcast, um, I'm getting, forget her name, but anyway, she said, don't repent of your behavior, repent of your beliefs. See, behind your behavior are all the beliefs that are wrong. So go to God and say, well, yeah, I messed up there, that was the wrong thing to do, but why did I do it? What's the belief that's driving me? These tests reveal, the test, the, test, the outcome is a behavior, yes, but what's behind that? It's a belief system. It's a false belief system. And we, we often need to repent of those. Let's go. For th so the third outcome, God says, I want to find out whether you'll obey my model for living, my commandments, my partnership. And here's my question for you when you look at that. Do you want to agree with your environment or do you want to agree with heaven? Either or. God says, this is the way it is in heaven. This is what I've designed for you. This is how we should live together. And you're like, oh, no, I don't feel like that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, just base my actions on my reality. Oh, God, you know, like I haven't got enough money to honor you, so I'm just not going to give this month. Are you agreeing with your environment or are you agreeing with heaven? Oh, God, I'm not going to worship you because, you know, we want to, we want to go away for the weekend and it's more important that we have family time. Or are you going to agree with heaven? God calls us to discipline ourselves to come together in corporate worship for the sake of other people. Oh God, you know, I just, I just don't feel like serving. You know, I have my kids all week. You want me to serve kids' church? Just no, no, no. And God says we must raise our children in a way that they would learn from their parents and honor them in order that they would receive God's blessing. So God's testing us, and he wants to find out 
whether we'd obey his commands. What, what does this verse summarize them? And let's look at the principle that God's given us. The Lord is always with us as we travel through tough seasons. And he is earnestly desiring that we submit our lives to his leading and his purpose. What are we going to do about it? I've got one more verse, so I'm going to let you choose whether we do it today or we do it next week. Because because I'm, I'm real relaxed about this. I was, I've been praying about it. I know that sometimes what I bring to you is like a full plate. And I'm stuffing food in your mouth to try and get you to eat the bread of life. And I apologize for that. So, like, the next part's actually prophetic. It's not, it's not line by line. It's what God's saying to us now. So we can, we can segue into that next week. And you can all come back next Sunday morning. Okay. Click the button. Let's go. Verse number three says this. Now, this one here, this verse, you need to know something. This verse is anchored in a real-life experience for me in August 2009. I'm traveling with God through a journey. I've had six months on my face, weeping, sweating blood, trying to understand the purposes of God in the season and the hell that I'd been living. And as I came out of the fog, this verse one day um, in my devotional journal, August 2009, a devotional reading led me to this verse. And as I read this, I'm in an airport, I'm just weeping as I'm writing what God's saying to me. So let's read the verse. Yes, God says, Moses is now saying, he humbled you by letting you go hungry, then feeding you with manna a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in my journal, God says to me, because I read and found it this week, and God said to me, see, I'm preparing you for something that required you to change. See, says God, I needed you to learn dif to live differently. See, says God, I want you to serve me in a different way and it's all or nothing. And this verse was a, was a it's marked me. It's, it's like I'll never be the same again because of that encounter I had with God over this verse. And you'll be pleased to know there's more than one of those in my life, but this one is a pivotal moment, and I pray God's word marks you forever when you study it. So what is God saying to us? Four things prophetically as a church. They're not on the screen. God says this, I need to humble you because of where I'm taking you. Church, we can't go into the promise without humility. Humility means you see and believe that you are as I say you are. The one definition of humility is seeing yourself as God sees you. God says humility means you see and believe that you are as I say you are. God says my reality not yours. My truth, not yours. This is the journey that God's called us in. The second thing God says to us as a church is this, even when you are hungry, I am with you. I'm preparing your provision. Church, God is always working in our lives. 
And sometimes when we're hungry and we're not getting the food we're used to, we need to ask God that question I gave you before. God, what are you teaching me in this moment? What is it that I, I, I need to see that I can't see? What is it that you want me to grow into in this moment? Because God always has good outcomes for us. These people in the desert, they had to learn to eat manna every day. Little seeds that they'd grind into a paste to make some flat bread in the desert 365 days a year for 40 years. And God says, I'm teaching you. I'm preparing you. God says, thirdly, I will feed you in ways you have not known before. For some of you, I think he's talking about spiritual food. Some of you, I think he's talking about your relationship with his word. Go on a journey with him. Ask him to teach you out of his scripture. Ask him to, to show you things that you've not seen before. Ask him, because I can promise you that's the only way my life changed in my relationship with the scripture. It was God that did it, not me. I told you before, I wasn't even interested. I will feed you in ways God says it's spiritual food. And sometimes we limit God because we constrain him through our belief structure. You know, sometimes I'm having a conversation with people and I just have to not be rude, but I have to say, oh, hang on a sec, stop, you just said something. And we backtrack the tape and we go, well, why did you say that? Because that's actually not what, that's not true about God. And so we've got we to get rid of those things in order that we can experience what he wants us to have. So I'll, I'll feed you, I'll take away those constraints. And, and the other side of that is expectations. I think some Christians have really wrong expectations about God. They say, oh, well, you know, if God was good, he would be doing this. Well, one, don't question if God is good or not. And two, don't put conditions on how he operates. Because he's smarter than you. So we've got, to, we've, got to, you know, we've got to break off these things. And I'm not saying this to bring any condemnation. I am saying this out of a, a journey of experience where I have released myself from the shackles of false expectations. I've released myself from the shackles of even experience. I've told you before that you know, I believe that God heals physically, mentally, and spiritually. Does that mean that happens every time I pray? No. But if I based my faith on my experience, I'd never have faith for the future. So I've got to walk in a place where I'm experiencing God's fullness and his truth. Finally, the fourth prophetic revelation from this is we must learn to live by the Spirit of God. We must learn to depend on his promises. The things we confess, we come to believe. The things we confess, we create by faith. Imagine that. You believe what God says, so you confess it, and it creates faith in you. You confess it again, and your faith creates your world. Sounds like a kingdom principle. It's not name it and claim it. It's not false doctrine. It's biblical. Sometimes I think we need to get our prayers in a place of humility where we confess what God says, not what we think. This is the new way that God's inviting us into to live. Not just me, all of us. Every single one of us in our homes, in our workplace, in our health, in our marriage, in our relationship with our children. We could click the button, Jane, and we'll just see what the principle is from this verse because I need to land this. There's a new way of living the Lord is teaching us so we're prepared for our future. A new way. A new way. Let me say it again. There's a new way 
God's calling us to live so that we can walk in the future God's got for us. The people of Israel, book of Deuteronomy, they didn't enter the promise till God's work was completed. I said last week we had family table after the service, and I, I said at that time, I said, I'm just absolutely delighted in the way that God's leading us, but I'm not prepared to move ahead of him. And until God releases us into the new season, it would be wrong for us to step out of line. But allow God to finish his work, and this message is certainly a part of that. It's a new way of living that God's inviting us into. So I'd like to share what that new way is. If we could press the button, I'm going to land this. If I get the band to come back, I just feel we need to lock this in with a prayer, and songs are awesome prayers. We're going to do song three. So what is, what is the summary? Obedience is optional. We saw that in the text. Obedience is optional, but consequences will follow. So God says, you can do what I've asked you to or not. The choice is yours. You will reap what you sow. But let me make an observation by comparison. Let's look at the next one. Humility is required. Two options in the desert. You be humbled by God or you die in the desert. Next slide. Humility comes through vulnerability. One of the things that God's given me as a gift is the ability to see patterns, what's happening, not just in practical, but in the spirit. As I move amongst pastors, leaders, as I move amongst families in our church and groups in the community, I start to see patterns in the conversations I'm having. And I'm telling you, the Lord is calling us into a space of vulnerability. The Lord's been doing it first in me. This week and last week in team meetings and staff meetings, I'm just opening my heart and I'm sharing, I'm confessing, I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm leading them in, into a place of, of confrontation, but only because the Lord wants me to be vulnerable. So you think I've been vulnerable up until now, you wait. Maybe next week you'll get some more of that. Tonight, Ash has heard the word of the Lord and he said, please, Ash, humble yourself and share your testimony three parts of her testimony she's sharing tonight. Why? Because God's calling us as leaders to be vulnerable before the people, to draw you into a place where you can see our journey and know that God's marked us for a purpose, but that you can reflect on that, anchor your perspective in it, and walk in patterns with it. Team dynamics, staff meetings, connect groups, these are all things that God is forming in our future for the sake of vulnerability. What is the purpose of a connect group? that you'd do life with three or four other families, that you'd get together, you'd open your hearts and you'd walk with God in partnership supporting each other. That's called doing life together. And those connect groups, they're so open that they form trust that means you can go through any season and carry each other. You can go through challenges in health, you can go through challenges in marriage, you can be vulnerable and say, I can't do this on my own, I need help, I need strength. Would you stand with me? Vulnerability, God says, is our new normal. I suppose you've got to choose how you respond to that. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be what you're used to. But I feel like God is calling us as a family into a place of exposure, of vulnerability, of the raw openness of our life as it is. Not that we would be embarrassed or shamed because there's no condemnation. 
when we rest in Christ and all he's done for us, but that we would stand open before him, open before our family and say, this is me. And I'm all for God and what he has for me. So I've asked the band to lead us in the song. It's a prayer. It's a prayer where we cry out, you can have it all, Lord. Every part of me you can have. And one of the things that I believe is essential is a response. So we're going to open up the front here. I'm going to get rid of some of this gear, guys, if you could just get rid of this. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a time where you can come and sing God to God up here. See, the altar is a place of physical sacrifice so that you can walk in spiritual fulfillment. Is there enough room? Probably not. Will you be pretty close to someone you don't know? Maybe. Is it about them? No. It's about your prayer, your heart's cry, and your confession to God. Let's stand together. Come on. Let's stand together. Let's respond to God and say, God, you can have it all. Because ultimately, that's what he wants, our hearts. Take this 